Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. What I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, Indiana gets it done on the road at Minnesota. It wasn't always pretty. Coach Woodson was not there, and uh, Indiana finds a way to dig it out and leave uh, with another victory, their fourth straight Big Ten Conference win uh, as Indiana in a really, really good position right now. I said this yesterday, and I'm never one of these guys that gives you a lot of predictions or opinions But I thought it would be, if Indiana was going to win last night, I thought it would be a tough game. This team's been playing really good. Uh, They were on the road. Minnesota's just an awkward place to play. I've never been there, never seen a game there, but everybody I know that has been there or has coached in that building has said what a strange, strange basketball environment it is with the raised court and the benches different. And I know that that shouldn't make a big difference. And obviously to Trace Jackson Davis last night it didn't. But uh, just an odd place to play. The Cole Center in Wisconsin, it's been equally, if not tougher, for Indiana to play there over the years. But Indiana with a big one last night. That is a team that dug in, got it done. Their head coach was out with uh, recovering from COVID is the official word from Indiana. And uh, a big deal to win four straight in this conference. And now Indiana turns its sights to Ohio State coming up uh, this weekend, a fifth straight win, uh, basically to close out the month. I think Indiana's got one more game in the January month uh, after the Ohio State game. But a fifth straight win, uh, big stuff if they could get it done. They're on a real roll right now. And uh, a difference in two weeks ago is just staggering for this team. I know we've said this, we repeat this, but it's just unbelievable at one point where things were coming out of that long layoff. And I've got to go back to that, and I'll bring it up today with Alex Bozich. But uh, how how bad was it the layoff? I know the injuries kind of sent a jolt through this team in a very negative way as they tried to figure out who they were, what they were doing. But was was the layoff part of the, the bad restart after the holidays? Uh Uh, trips home and away from each other, away from a regular practice schedule there for a handful of days. I'm not sure that we'll ever be able to really answer that question, but I would love to know what Coach Woodson's take is on that. Uh, So definitely uh, more IU talk coming up today. But Indiana, a major win, and once again, just a silly, crazy, good stat line for Trace Jackson Davis last night. I mean, he is just doing unbelievable things. And he is playing at an unbelievably high level. It's just really hard to comprehend, to be quite honest, what he is doing night in, night out, against different defenses, against double teams, against the physicality of the conference, road games, home games, 
other players helping him out often here in recent games, but not always. Uh, but he is doing a lot, and he's doing a lot not just offensively, but defensively as well. So Trace Jackson Davis is, is again, he's moving up and up and up the list of all-time IU greats. It's going to be really interesting to see if this surge here at the middle part of the season as we enter really the backside of the season now is going to help his NBA potential. You heard Coach Roseman last night, uh, his first little post-game television hit after his Hoosiers hung on, or maybe you could say came from behind there late, uh, by a few points at least, to get the win. He had some really uh, good words for Trace Jackson Davis and kind of slipped up on television. He said, uh, if you can find 25 or 30, and I'm paraphrasing, but 25 or 30 uh, better NBA prospects, I'll kiss your butt, but he used another word instead of butt. So I think I could say that on the radio, but I won't today. Uh, so definitely uh, fun to see him get the victory. Coach Roseman, a young coach that I think is most known as a recruiter, but uh, sometime it takes getting a break here and there to advance your career. He's definitely had some opportunity for advancement uh, at Indiana and uh, a big win for him and for the team last night. We'll break it all down coming up here in our Thursday program. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Segment one. We'll recap the game, go through the box score, go through some of the key takeaways from last night. A few other headlines we'll dive into here in the opening segment as well. Later in the show, Alex Bozich inside the hall. He's always with us Thursdays, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Uh, Always great to have Alex every week, but especially when we get him on game day to help preview an opponent or the day after a game like today to recap the Minnesota, the win over Minnesota for Indiana. And so we'll have a long chat with Alex coming up where, where we'll talk about really everything regarding this Indiana team and just where they're at right now, what's ahead. Uh, there's just a lot to get to. And, and fortunately for IU fans, uh, after a few weeks ago of a lot of negatives, now it's a lot of positives. And I think the answer, the question I should say is how long, can this Indiana team ride this wave? Uh, and can they make some of these changes and defensive improvements and intensity that they've gotten out, seems playing defense, can they make some of this permanent as they head into the month of February and ultimately the Big Ten tournament and uh, so many big things ahead because just a few weeks away, or really we're down to just a week and a half away from a big game with Purdue at Assembly Hall. You want to talk about a real opportunity to kickstart your month of February if this Indiana team could knock off maybe at the time number one Purdue if they can hang on to that rating. I think this team is trending that way. I mean, it's at home. There's every reason to believe that uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady could offset each other. Maybe TJD could get the better of him in that contest. But uh, that would be a big deal for Indiana. But this team is trending toward making that game very, very interesting. I do believe. So we'll cover that more with Alex. That's the show lineup today, a service of Honeybaked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are still being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honeybaked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. Love to hear from you. There's got to be some IU fans that want to gloat a little bit today. I get the, the negative text sometime. I get some good questions Fairly often, but there's got to be some gloating that needs to happen today uh, by IU fans uh, after four straight Big Ten wins. And you can send those in to me at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Also, 
We take your questions and comments about local sports. If you're headed to a high school basketball game this weekend, uh, anything you want to bring up, text it to me, and uh, we'll get it on the air here for our Thursday show. Uh, right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or a 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And let's get into some takeaways from the game last night. I just want to start with this. Uh, I, I'm sure that we've all heard this, know this. Trace Jackson Davis, 25 points, 11 of 19 from the field, five offensive rebounds. He had, and I had to double look at this here just a second ago, 16 defensive rebounds, a total of 21 rebounds in the contest last night, two assists, two personal fouls, three turnovers, six block shots, and he played 39 minutes for the Hoosiers last night. That is unbelievable in many sense of the word, what he's able to get done, what he's been able to get done uh, as an Indiana player. Just really unbelievable. Uh, 25 points, 21 rebounds, just a packed stat line, and it's it's hard to believe what we're witnessing. And I hope that IU fans uh, uh, appreciate it, uh, enjoy it, because we are seeing, I don't know if this is going to continue at the level it's happening, but we are seeing an unbelievable stretch here by a college basketball player who I think has put himself in position to be the uh, front runner for Big Ten Player of the Year, and I think even some national honors perhaps as well. It's it's really amazing. So Trace Jackson Davis, the big takeaway last night. Miller Kopp, a good game, 11 points, 4 of 9 shooting, uh, also in double figures. Kind of an interesting game for Malik Renu. We saw him in the first half, very efficient in the first half, helped this team a lot, but he only played 12 minutes in the game. He basically was non-existent in the second half last night. Two other puzzling uh, moments for this team last night. And again, the win, the battle on the road. There's so many things, even though it's Minnesota, a one-win team in the conference, I think to take away in a positive light. But two puzzling things, or two puzzling players. Jordan Geronimo, he saw six minutes of action last night, no points. And Tamar Bates, who I really thought was stepping up his role, and I'm not saying he, he isn't or won't, but I thought maybe he was going to become a consistent third or fourth scorer for this Indiana team. He, he had no points last night, took three shots in the game, and he played just 10 minutes as well. So uh, very interesting. And then one, one thing in general about the game, Indiana finished the contest on a 7-0 run, and Minnesota did not score a point, not a point, not a field goal, three-point Free throw nothing in the final three minutes and 20 seconds of the game uh, for Minnesota last night. I thought those were two uh, very, very interesting uh, uh, stats from last night's game. Also, back to Trace for just a moment. Uh, with his block shots last night, he had six of them. Uh, he became the all-time IU player with the most block shots. He tied Jeff Newton back during the Michigan State game, and with his first of the six blocks last night, he became the solo uh, leader all-time in blocks for the IU basketball program. So a uh, big night for a few guys. Uh, even uh, Hood Shafino, fairly quiet. He, he did play a ton of minutes uh, and, and played solid. Six rebounds, four assists, just one turnover. 
despite how much he handled the basketball. But he, he only had six points, and he was 2 of 11 from the field. So a really off-night shooting for Jalen Hood-Shafino. I think Indiana, you tell, tell us in advance that Trace is going to get a monster stat line again and that Miller Cop's going to have 11 and be the, the second best player last night. And then you tell, tell us that Hood Shafino's going to have six points and that Geronimo and Bates, regardless of their recent play and how they've helped the team, are going to be scoreless. I think you'll take a win anywhere uh, over any Big Ten opponent this time of season. And so Indiana able to get it done last night. But in addition to Trace Jackson Davis's absolute dominance, I thought Indiana's defense continues to look really good. Uh, it's becoming one of their uh, uh, one of the, the their iconic things, or maybe something that this team is now known for. I think we talked about this earlier in the year when it looked like maybe they would be a defensive. Uh, I don't want to say oriented team, but a team that used defense greatly to their advantage. That kind of went away in some of those big non-conference games. And it's definitely back here in January for this Big Ten team. Uh, I thought definitely last night the defense looked really, really good. So uh, that, that's just a number of takeaways from last night. I think Indiana is very fortunate to win the ball game, but I think also uh, a big win uh, despite uh, you know some players maybe not playing up to their to their normal situation last night as Indiana wins on the road over Minnesota. Couple other things to mention: We've got high school basketball coming up over the weekend. We're actually going to take a little different path this uh, Friday night and head to Providence, where it'll be Christian Academy and Providence in a big Friday night game. Christian Academy's been playing some better uh, balls of late. They've got a, a solid record now at nine and three on the season, and they will take on a Providence team that I think is still leading the area. It has probably the best chance of local teams if they can battle through a tough sectional to make another deep run, maybe a state championship type run if they can get past Brownstown. Providence 11 and three. I mentioned Christian Academy nine and three. Should be a really fun game on Friday night. Providence I think will way overmatch Christian Academy, but uh, the Warriors having a good season and we'll be at that game Friday night to bring you the full play-by-play story of that contest coming up on Friday night. I know we mentioned this yesterday, but I wanted to double back and give another mention to a couple of great uh, area basketball players uh, that were recently honored. Uh, Braden Hobbs of New Albany, Jeremy Kendall of Jeffersonville. Those guys teamed up with Justin Benedetti and some other Southern Indiana stars to win a Division II National Championship back some years ago in 2011. And recently, Bellarmine University inducted both of those guys, both Kendall and Hobbs, into the Athletic Hall of Fame. The official induction will take place in March, but the announcement was made earlier this week. So Hobbs, of course, uh, the, the Bellarmine National Player of the Year uh, back uh, in that season. Also Great Lakes Valley Conference Player of the Year. And uh, the only Knights player thus far, I think actually Knights athlete across all their sports to have his uniform number retired. He was an All-American in 11 and 12 and uh, the freshman of the year back in 2009 and, of course, still playing professionally over in Germany and just had an outstanding career playing for Jim Shannon in New Albany. Almost that year, New Albany got to a state championship game, but it was uh, Brownsburg that knocked him off there in that semi-state game. Jeremy Kendall, two-time All-American in 11 and 12. He was the 2011 GLVC Player of the Year. Top scorer on the championship team in 2011. 
He's fifth all-time in scoring. He has just over, just under 1,800 points at Bellarmine, and he's still playing professionally and also doing a lot of training and development stuff in basketball over in Australia as well. So pretty neat for those guys uh, to be honored uh, for sure. Bellarmine now Division One, and of course what Scott Davenport has done there is nothing short of amazing either, but neat to see those two locals be recognized as they'll be inducted in March into the Bellarmine University Athletic Hall of Fame. That's a look at our headlines for this Thursday edition of the program. As we head to commercial break, uh, just looking at scores last night, Xavier beat UConn. I think Xavier's now won 12 of 13 or 13 of 14 games, so that's a non-conference win for the Hoosiers that just looks better and better as you look at Indiana's NCAA resume. Indiana's resume, I talked about this earlier in the week, it's shaping up. It really is. Their non-conference wins and even some of the losses in the non-conference, but uh, no quad three or four losses for Indiana. They avoided one of those last night with a narrow win at Minnesota and a good resume right now for this Indiana team as they get ready for the month of February. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back to talk IU and last night with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Thursday program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall going to join us in a second. A reminder that this segment with Alex, Alex each week is brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, where you can save 25% during their pre-grand opening sale at all three locations, downtown New Albany and their newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. Alex, it wasn't always pretty. It was a little ugly at times, definitely a little scary, I'm sure, for IU fans. But this Indiana team that's been on a roll, they were able to find a way to win a Big Ten road game, and that's enough now to give Indiana four straight victories, which is very impressive. Yeah, Matt, last uh, time we talked, I believe it was Thursday morning. That was before the Illinois game. Since then, Indiana's won uh, three more uh, in a row. Um, it's anytime uh, you win a Big Ten road game, I, I don't care if the team's uh, without certain players, if it's the worst team in the Big Ten, the best team in the Big Ten, Big Ten road wins are, are difficult uh, to come by. And this team... Uh, it wasn't pretty last night, and there was a lot, obviously, uh, that they could have done better. But overall, you have to look at this and, and say um, they took care of business, uh, they, they got the job done, and you take the win and move on. Um, it, it was, in many ways, one of their uglier performances of the season, uh, just when you kind of look at some of the numbers. But, uh, again, uh, all in the end, it just goes in the in the uh, 
win column, uh, and you move on and get ready for Ohio State on Saturday. Yeah, no question. Alex, I know we've talked so much and you've written so much about Trace Jackson Davis at some point. I'm not sure what else to say. I've used a lot of adjectives to describe some of his recent performances and what he's been able to do for the Hoosiers. But, Alex, you've been around this program. You've covered college basketball for a long time. Uh, how, how do you put into words what's your description of what he's been able to get done here the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that uh, this morning, Matt, a little bit since I've been on this beat. You know, 2007-2008 season is when we really started writing about the team. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to games then, but been going to games pretty regularly since about 2010. This is the most dominant stretch I can remember from an IU player in that time span. Uh, just in terms of the impact on the on the game on both ends, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is, you know, protecting the rim, blocking shots, became the, the program's all-time uh, leader in block shots last night, and it's been really impressive just to see him these last two seasons really unleashed on that uh, end of the floor uh, under Archie Miller was not as aggressive I don't think as block and blocking shots but they've kind of let him roam more freely and I think that's been really helpful for Indiana's defense and earlier in the season when he wasn't as healthy I think his shot blocking took a little bit of a, a dip but he looks really healthy and confident right now on that end of the floor and it's just been huge for the leaders in terms of his offense you know, we talked for so long about him needing to add a mid-range game, a three-point game, and I was one of the people that kind of thought, you know, this is something he needs to, to add. But it's become obvious at this point that he's not going to do that, and you just have to appreciate what he is really good at, which is just his efficiency and the way he finishes at the rim. I thought last night, you know, that dunk that he had was, pretty incredible and it's going to get all the headlines on social media and the retweets and all that but I thought the play that he made uh, getting that offensive rebound was just a really really savvy uh, veteran move that uh, ultimately put Indiana over the top. I mean, Race Thompson makes the first free throw and misses the second one. It comes up short and the ball was kind of coming there on the left side of the room. He had a freshman in front of him um, trying to get the rebound and didn't push him at all with his hands, but if you kind of will go back and watch the replay, use his lower body really to get some leverage and then just simply jumped up, grabbed the ball over, over top of the kid and, and put the ball back in and, and gives any of the lead for good. And, you know, they never relinquished it there in the last 45 seconds. So uh, that those are the kind of plays that, that you really have to have your upperclassmen, your leaders make uh, in a road environment. I don't care who the opponent is. Uh, that was a game Indiana probably should have won more comfortably, but credit Trace Jackson Davis for making the plays necessary to kind of take his team, um, you know, over over the finish line and get the, the win. It was really impressive. Um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like you, Matt. I've, I've kind of run out of things to say just in terms of his game. He's making it look so easy uh, just the way he – catches the ball uh, and goes through guys and just scores at the rim almost at will. And, and trust me, it's not easy what he's doing. He's, he's really uh, playing at a high level. and yeah, he's, he's right there in the conversation, I feel like, for Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, obviously, it's Zach Eadie's probably a war to lose at this point, but Trace keeps putting up the numbers he is over the rest of uh, the, the regular season. I think there's at least going to be a conversation that he deserves to be uh, considered for that. 
Alex Bozich inside the hall. This segment presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Uh, Alex, that's where I was headed next. Big Ten Player of the Year race. Can you size that up for us right now between TJD and Big Edie? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I mean, Purdue's obviously winning the league pretty uh, convincingly right now. I think they got a two-game lead in the, in the loss column. So, you know, if that continues and Edie keeps performing at the level that he is, that's probably going to be hard to take that away from him. I think the way that Chase would be able to overtake him is if Indiana can beat Purdue, obviously, at home and continue to win a lot of games, you know, win something like 12, 13 Big Ten games, maybe not win the league, but put up these ridiculous, it's, like, it's almost like video game type numbers. You look at these numbers, it's ridiculous what he's doing in Big Ten play. Almost, I think, 22 points to 13 some rebounds, almost five assists, almost four blocks. I mean, these are, these are not numbers that you see regularly uh, from a college player, particularly in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't put him at the top of the list right now, but he's definitely uh, the only player that I see right now capable of, of challenging Edie. Um, and if the numbers that he is putting up continue here the rest of the regular season and in Indiana uh, continues to kind of climb the standings, it's going to be, uh, I think, more of a, more of a contest than, than we would have thought uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I wouldn't put anything past Trace right now. Uh, regardless of what Purdue could or could not do with the Big Ten Championship. And I agree they are at the top of the league for sure. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Trace can keep up what he's done in future weeks here to close out this season. Alex, um, I think anytime you went on the road in the Big Ten, we all know that it's a good thing. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or not or close or not. And last night, again, wasn't always pretty. In fact, it was pretty ugly, uh, and it was very, very close, probably way too close for comfort for a lot of fans watching the game. That said, uh, there were some positives. Indiana's defense continued to improve. But I want to spend some time right now talking about maybe some negatives and maybe a couple players that I I just don't know what to, to gauge or how to get a read on them. Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo, I really felt like they had turned the corner. I know that just because a player doesn't score or gets some low minutes a game or two, it it could mean a lot of different things. And, of course, Coach Roseman was leading the charge last night with Coach Woodson recovering from COVID. But were you surprised to see both of those guys post such low minutes? And were you surprised to see both of those guys with goose eggs in the scoring column? Yeah. I'll start with Geronimo. Um, I understood the, the the rationale for him, you know, not starting last night because it's obviously Race Thompson's last game back in front of friends and family in Minneapolis. You want to give him a chance to to get the start, and I thought it was going to kind of be similar to what we saw against Michigan State, where he came and played a little bit early and then went to the bench and maybe played a, you know a little bit in the second half, but you know he didn't play much in the first half, and and then played most of the second half, um, and that really was the reason why Jordan Geronimo didn't see the court very much. He only played, I think, uh, five minutes, uh, had two fouls, two turnovers. That was part of the reason um, I think that he, his minutes were limited because when he was out there, he he was making mistakes and fouling. Uh, And I think just the second half, they chose to kind of go with the same lineup for as much continuity as possible down the stretch to kind of just try to 
give their more experienced players a chance to, to win the game on the road. Um, I would hope, hopefully, Geronimo's going to kind of get more run moving forward. I think he's earned it. He's definitely played well enough to be playing more than five or six minutes a game, and I don't really necessarily see a reason that he should be removed from the starting lineup at this point. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Kamar Bates, to me, is kind of the more head-scratching of the two because you look at this last four-game stretch, He's got that Michigan State game in there, right, where he scores 17 and plays really good basketball. The other three games, he hasn't scored a single point, which that is the definition of just kind of a streaky player who cannot find consistency. And I thought last night he you know, didn't play particularly well um, on either end of the four and it kind of showed in his minutes. You know, He only, only played 10 minutes, picked up two fouls, um, 0-3 from the field, just not a lot of consistency there and hard to count on somebody who you don't really know what you're going to get on a game-to-game basis. I mean, a four for Tamar Bates, in my opinion, should be seven or eight points every game uh, off the bench as a score. And in the last four games, uh, he's gone scoreless in three of them. And he definitely deserves credit for what he did against Michigan State. That was pivotal on IU winning that game, but I think the next step as a player, it's the second year, he's nearing the end of the second year of college, he's got to be more reliable um, offensively uh, if he wants to continue to play heavy minutes. Otherwise, I don't know that he does enough on defense then to justify continue playing him you know, 15, 20 minutes a game. Alex, you guys had a story at this uh, on this at InsideTheHall.com, and I thought it perfectly summed up Miller Cop last night, but he really played his mm-hmm. role very well. He did reach double figures in scoring, but had that, I think it was him that grabbed that last rebound to kind of ice the game. Uh, he did a lot mm-hmm. of things well in his role last night for this team. Yeah, Miller Cop is an easy target for criticism because he, you know, he's out there to shoot and he doesn't take a lot of shots. Part of that is because they don't really run much offense for him. Uh, and the shots that he does get are all basically just kind of freelance stuff where there's a breakdown or he's open in the corner and he takes a shot. Last night he was important because he made threes early and when Indiana really needed offense, played all 40 minutes, which is, you know, I think that's kind of an indictment a bit on Tamar Bates because, you know, Indiana didn't feel like they could take the cop off the floor because they didn't really have anybody behind him um, that they felt comfortable playing more minutes. So, you know, he plays all 40, comes up with that late uh, loose ball. Yeah, you know, I, I think at this point, Miller Cop kind of is what he is as an offensive player. Uh, he does his first double-figure scoring game since the Elon game, which is over a month, month ago. You're probably not going to get much more than him uh, from him in the occasional double-figure game, but he does a lot of little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Last night, diving on the floor for that ball, calling a timeout. as a heads-up veteran play. It uh, doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but it definitely contributed to the win. And then he, you know, obviously making those timely three-pointers, I thought, was, was big. So really one of the better performances that we have seen on Miller Cop, and it was a performance that Indiana really needed because Tamar Bates and Joe Hutchfino and Trey Galloway I'll play pretty poorly uh, offensively last night. You know, we're not on the inside, so it's hard to know exactly, but I do wonder how 
not having your head coach there changes or affects mm-hmm. things. Obviously, Coach Roseman had the scout, so he was very familiar, very prepared for Minnesota. But there's a big difference in going from seat two to seat one. Uh, and there's a big difference standing up, pacing those sidelines, being the one that has to call all the shots directly. Uh, so I, I'm curious, you know, we'll never know, but uh, to win a road game without your head coach, to me, that's just an extra, uh, some extra accreditation there to be able to get that done uh, because it's it's kind of a jolt, I would believe, when you, the guy that whether you love him or you like him or whatever the case is, if you're a player, I mean, no one's going to always feel the same about their head coach, but it's it just different when that person is not there. That is for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an adjustment for sure. And they didn't really, I don't think they knew um, until yesterday morning uh, that he wasn't going to coach. So um, it was definitely uh, adjustment for the players, also adjustment for the coaches. When you're an assistant coach, I mean, you're, you're, you're not calling the shots in terms of what's going on and the huddle and calling up all the plays and all that. So that's, a, you know, seemed like it was a bit of a committee uh, approach last night with Rosen was obviously acting as the head coach, but based on what he said on the post-game interview uh, that they did last night, he, he said that, you know, it was uh, Brian Walsh and uh, Kenya Hunter that were actually coordinating the substitutions. So it was a whole team effort. Um, but when you have a veteran team like that, uh, in terms of having Trace Jackson Davis out there, <clears throat> the game plan uh, was pretty clear offensively was to try to get Trace as many touches and looks as possible and do a better job taking care of the ball. I think, they, I think they did that for the most part after having some struggles early. And they played uh, pretty well uh, defensively. I, I think one other thing that, that maybe uh, we I didn't write maybe about or we had talked about Matt was just that last night Minnesota made some some plays and had scored some some buckets that were um, really at no fault of Indiana. They they had some some, uh, some loose balls that kind of carried their way. There was that one play I don't know if you remember it was the first half that ball kind of just came down and the, the one player I think it was the former walk on grabbed it over Jamison Battle and kind of threw it back in. There were several where Battle hit kind of step back tough threes with a hand in his face. And, you know, if two or three of those don't go in, those are really hard shots that Indiana defended pretty well, you know, with a much more comfortable win. So I do think that had a little bit of an impact on the game being as close as it was. But those were the breaks, and Indiana was, was ultimately able to, to overcome. Um, a couple of those fluke plays going in, but I, but I do think if you just kind of watch the game uh, at an unbiased perspective, and, and it, it did seem like some of the just the balls that ended up in, in advantageous uh, positions for Minnesota were a little bit more than usual, and they did make some really tough shots. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Again, this segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture with locations in downtown New Albany. Also the new location in Jeffersonville as well on Veterans Parkway. I want to talk for a moment about IU's NCAA tournament resume. I think it's fairly impressive. This stretch here recently obviously has greatly helped things, but Indiana does not have a quad three or four loss, which is a great thing. And some of their quad one wins are looking better. I mentioned earlier today, Xavier, I think, has won 13 of their last 14 games. 
with each win over UConn and some of the big ones they've had, that does nothing but help Indiana's resume. Yeah, I mean, their resume is pretty strong. I mean, their computer numbers are good. Uh, you know, the one thing that's not great right now, I think they're 2-5 and five in quad one, uh, which isn't necessarily the greatest number, but they, they have some chances, obviously, coming up to get uh, more quad one wins. They don't have any bad losses. Uh, last night would have qualified. I think it would have been quad three if they lost. So if you can keep um, kind of from losing a quad three or four game, have pretty strong computer numbers, I think they're in the 20s, 23 in uh, the net as of this morning. Right now, to me, they're looking something like a pretty solid 5-6 seed um, at 14-6 and six overall. Uh, got a chance to get Xavier Johnson back hopefully here in the next couple weeks. And um, there's going to be opportunities uh, for wins that can really help the resume. You know, if Indiana can get above 500 in Big Ten play, and you know, you know, beat some of you know, maybe beat a Purdue at home or do another key road win, all of a sudden uh, you're looking at a team that has a chance to, to maybe get up to the four or five range in terms of the seed. But right now, to me, uh, they're definitely uh, in solid position for the NCAA tournament. But We've seen that things can change quickly in this league. You know, Indiana was a one and four at one point, and we wondered kind of if the season was going to turn around or it just kind of has spiraled downward. They've reversed their fortunes here these last uh, four games, winning all four of them. And I think the, the, the key to that's been the fact that none of their opponents over the last four have scored more than sixty-nine points, and they've defended at a really high level, uh, even without. You know, race Thompson 100% without Xavier Johnson. So, um, yeah, I mean, their tournament prospects are really good right now. Maybe not uh, in line with what we expected in the preseason, being like, you know, a two or three seed or higher. But right now, I think to me, I think most of the projections look like something like a solid uh, six seed, and that's basically where, where they belong right now based on their resume. All right, uh, let's look ahead for a moment. Uh, Ohio State is next. It's a home game. This mm-hmm. Ohio State team has been a little up and down. Um, Indiana going for five in a row. That seems almost unthinkable where things were a few weeks ago. But an early look at the Buckeyes and where they're at in their schedule their season. Yeah, their computer number is actually really good. They're still 20th in Ken Palm, but they're man, 11 and 9 overall. They've lost, count this up here, I think six of seven, including, you know, they just lost in Illinois by nine. All those games have been pretty competitive, though. You look, they lost by two at home to Purdue. They lost by seven at Maryland, three at home to Minnesota, uh, four in overtime at Rutgers, three at Nebraska, and then they lose last night by nine. So they, they've been in games. I think that's one reason why their computer numbers stayed pretty high. But, I mean, they've got Bryce Sensabaugh, who, at one point was on the Indiana recruiting radar. They, they offered him, and he's been one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten. Justice Sewing has been one of the names that the people know throughout the Big Ten missed a lot of time last year, obviously, but has played better this year. Fed Key, uh, the big man, has, has not been healthy. I think that's kind of been apparent these last couple games. Just not getting that same lift off the floor. He's never been like a above-the-rim guy, but if you just watch him, he doesn't look 100% healthy, and you know, they're, they're definitely a team that's capable of, you know, of getting on a run here and, and kind of moving back towards uh, the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. But their record right now, 
uh, in conference play is is not good. Uh, three and six, they desperately need to win, so they're, they're probably going to come out pretty desperate uh, on Saturday. And it's going to be a game. It's going to be interesting from an IU perspective. You got that late night tip on Saturday. I'm sure it'll be an excellent crowd. We don't know exactly what the status is going to look like for Mike Woodson. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this on social media last night, Zach, but in the post game, they kind of had him on FaceTime on the phone uh, in the locker room congratulating people on the win, uh, which is good to see that he's, you know, engaged in the game and in good spirits and, and all that. So we'll see how things develop, <laughs> excuse me, here over the next 24 hours, or 24, 48 hours, and I'm not sure exactly when he would be able to come back. So uh, Chris Holtman, not on the best of terms, it doesn't feel like, with Ohio State fans. Uh, there's been a lot of grumbling, if you kind of read between the lines, some of what's, uh, what's, what's written out there about him, that, that Ohio State fans are a little bit disappointed. But he's made the tournament, I think, every year he's been there. I think overall he does a really good job. But this team, after starting out 2-0 and in the Big Ten, 10-3 and overall, they've kind of been in three fall and they're desperate to need a win. So um, Indiana is going to have to play well, but it, it definitely looks like a game, at least on paper, where they should be favored and have a good chance to win if they come out and defend and are, are able to play to their strengths. Let's hope that Coach Woodson is healthy and back uh, roaming the sidelines on Saturday. But it does sound like, and if and you got me thinking about this, but it does sound like if he is unable to coach, that perhaps it's Kenya Hunter or another assistant that could be, quote, unquote, the head coach because it's whoever's got the scout. So I would assume that rotates mm-hmm. from game to game and opponent to opponent, maybe Kenya Hunter. Uh, if would have to lead the, lead the team on yeah. Saturday if Coach Woodson's unavailable. But, I mean, you definitely feel better going into a home game, I feel like, with uh, kind of a, a different guy getting a chance. And, and maybe if he can't coach on Saturday, uh, just just having this first game under their belt will help the staff be a little bit more um, prepared, uh, knowing what they're going to have to be responsible for within the game. But yeah, it'll it'll be tough because Holtman, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a really good coach. I, I think that they've obviously uh, had their struggles this year, but they're capable. They have players. And they have a chance. Uh, you know, they're they're probably coming in looking like they got nothing to lose. They've not played particularly well lately. They're coming into a a tough environment, so Indiana's gonna have to be well prepared and I think execute a lot better uh, than what we saw last night, but. If Woodson's out of a coach, I think it'll be just a little bit more of a cohesive, I guess, effort from the coaches. And they do have one game uh, under their belt without him on the sideline. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, uh, great stuff. I'm, I'm curious, uh, as we look at the Big Ten Conference, we talked about Purdue standing atop of things right now. But as we get ready to, to head to a break, for this Indiana team, if they continue this type of play, and obviously they're not going to win out or anything crazy, mm-hmm. but if they could continue playing at a very competitive level, is there a ceiling for a Big Ten finish that maybe this team could reach, or are we too early to think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because there's just a, a huge grouping of teams. When you look at the standings right now, uh, you've got Wisconsin at four and five, Penn State at four and five, Maryland at four and five, Iowa's four and four, Michigan State five and four, Illinois five and four, Indiana five and four, Michigan five and three, Northwestern five and three, 
that's a that's a pretty big group of teams. I mean, you've got basically the bottom um, three, and right now one of those teams with four wins would be uh, playing on Wednesday of the Big Ten tournament. So there's not a lot of separation between you know the 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 top of that uh, second tier and uh, the bottom. So I think it's going to come down to, I think if Indiana can win 11 or 12 Big Ten games, they've got a really good chance to get a a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Because I just think the middle is going to be very uh, much filled with teams that win something like 8, 9, 10 Big Ten games. So I think if you can get, you know, to 11 or 12, you feel pretty good about your chances to at least finish in the top four or five, maybe secure that double bye for the Big Ten tournament. So I think the ceiling, uh, to me, it's going to come down to whether they can beat teams like Illinois at home, Rutgers at home. I think Purdue's obviously still the favorite. I think Rutgers is a pretty good pick probably to finish second. After that, it's pretty wide open. you got teams like, obviously, Illinois, IU, uh, Northwestern, uh, kind of in the mix there. Michigan State's played well at times. But, you know, any, I think anything's possible after the first two spots, and uh, it'd be really good to see them finish, you know, somewhere in the top four or five. It's been a long time since that happened. And to get a, a level by in the Big Ten tournament and not play till Friday would be would be really nice uh, for this team to have a chance to, you know, get hot for the tournament and, and make a run in, in March. Absolutely. Alex Bozich inside the hall this segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Alex, thanks for an extended chat today. We'll do it again next Thursday. Absolutely, Matt. Look forward to it every week. Have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. Alex Bozich with us. And again, Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture brings you Alex Bozich every week. And don't forget their new location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. We'll head to a commercial break. When I come back, a quick look at a couple text messages we have in from the Thornton's text line and more as we wrap up this Thursday show. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Final quick segment here on this Thursday program. Don't forget, if you missed the live show on the Big X, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Texter says uh, on the Thornton's text line, let me make sure I tell you that on the Thornton's text line, says uh, Mike Woodson said it best, quote, Indiana is the beep. Uh, and I guess that's in response to my Yasir Roseman uh, remarks on his post-game uh, interview last night. And I'll say this, uh, I-, I love how Coach Woodson talks to the media, and uh, I-, I thought it was great how Coach Roseman was himself last night. But uh, this Indiana coach, they've got a-, a real way, especially Coach Woodson, of working in uh, I guess you call them cuss words, nothing serious or too bad, but uh, working in cuss words into their interviews and answers, it's actually kind of funny, and I, I giggle or laugh every time I hear it. Also, same texture says, in my opinion, 
TJD is more of an all-around player to where Edie is just big and dominant because of height. I agree with that as well to a great extent. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday show. Back with you Friday at 11 a.m. High school basketball Friday night. Christian Academy at Providence. We'll see the Pioneers again. Uh, stay with us. Uh, back to join us tomorrow. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.